Glad to have you back. Another hour of the Bill Michaels Show. Welcome one and all on the uh, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. We appreciate you being here. Snow outside. Hopefully it uh, continues to melt. It's kind of changing a little bit, as a matter of fact. It lessened up, but now it's coming down almost like a just a wet, sloppy rain at this point. I'm all for that as it continues to melt away from the uh, the patio. I'll take that in a heartbeat. Uh, let's do this. Joining us now on the hotline is our buddy, buddy Peter Bukowski from uh, the Locked on uh, Packers podcast. Joining us. Pete, how you doing? I am I am very glad that I am currently on vacation. Oh, are you really? Where are you at? Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'm on Sanibel Island in Florida, so I'm missing the oh, snow and the you. sleet and the the uh, the ugliness that is happening right now. Um, but that doesn't mean that that doesn't that that doesn't uh, affect everyone else listening. I'm sorry for for rubbing in a little bit, Bill. No, that's okay. I get it. I do the same thing, man. If I was sitting down there near the uh, <laughs> near the sandy beach somewhere in a heartbeat, uh, any sight of a wide receiver down there on the beach by any chance? <laughs> You know there were some some teenagers here who were looking pretty good throwing throwing passes in the pool. So I don't know. We might might, might, might need to call Brian Gutekind get him a get him a, a short term deal here. Maybe some void years on the back end so we can make the salary cap work. So what are I mean? Rumor comes out the Packers are looking uh, one of the teams that are out there looking for wide receivers, and we hear the stories that good wide receivers are going to go much higher than expected in the draft, and you're going to have to spend draft capital to get them. And you know, are, are, I don't think the Packers are desperate. I just think right now they're doing their due diligence to see what it's going to cost them to get themselves eventually a veteran, and I, I think that's what's happening behind the scenes right now. Give me your thoughts. So I, I think a couple things. Um, we always hear every year that, that there are going to be these groups of players who are going to go higher than expected. And then some do, and some don't, this is just the nature of the business. It's the nature of how these leaks work. First it's, Oh, there's all these offensive tackles. They're going to go up and that, that could push other positions down, or there's all these pass rushers and that's going to push other positions down. There are going to be runs. We see it every year. And that's just, that we, it's really hard to predict even for teams in the league when those are going to happen. What I thought was interesting though, is when Matt LaFleur at, at owners meetings was asked and you played that, that sound, that sound bite, he, he also said, you know, there, there are unexpected things that can happen between now and the draft and, and now in the beginning of the regular season, Mark Murphy in an interview with Larry McCarron for Packers.com mentioned that the, the Packers had a lot of draft capital. And he sort of said with a wink, you know, he said something to the effect of, I'll just say, you know, we have a lot of draft capital and that they feel really good about that. Uh, that, there's something going on behind the scenes that they're working on, and and based on what I've what I've been told, um, and and you mentioned some of the stuff that's out there about them efforting a veteran, that they're they're trying to take a swing now. Whether or not they're going to eventually land on someone is another question entirely, right? We don't know that they're going to be able to get anything together, but they you they don't seem worried. They don't seem flustered by this. Uh, which which could just be a front. Um, generally, I find that that NFL front office people and NFL coaches and NFL players are really bad actors. They they do they, they do not hide their secrets very well, except for Bill Belichick, who's monotone about everything. Uh, I think that they think that they they can get someone if they want them. Uh, it's going to depend on cost and and all that kind of stuff. So that that means players that we have have heard and has been reported by by good sources i would say that that there are um, these players available tyler lockett in seattle um that would have to be after the draft because his his pre-june one cap hit is crazy dk metcalf 
could be someone out there. That is the name that I think is on the, the tongues of Packer fans everywhere. If you could get DK Metcalf, it's like, Devontae, enjoy Las Vegas. This, this guy's a, a monster. And then there was that report over the weekend, last weekend, about the Jets keeping an eye on DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown in Tennessee, and Debo Samuel in San Francisco, all guys who are coming up in a year that are going to want top-of-market contracts and on teams that might not want to pay them or might not feel like they have the resources necessary to pay them. The, the Titans owe Ryan Tannehill a boatload of money. They have to pay Derrick Henry a lot of money. What is that future there? So if, if the Jets are keeping an eye on it, they think that there's a chance that those guys can be hand. Uh, Sean Michael, uh, the the Seahawks writer for The Athletic, whose name, unfortunately, I'm, I'm uh, forgetting at the moment, reported that DK Metcalf could be had uh, for a first-round pick, potentially. Green Bay has two of those picks. They have the draft capital to go make a swing at one of these players who could be available, but they also have the draft capital. If they fall in love with Drake London, who's going to test here in a couple days, let's say he runs 4-5 flat at his pro day at USC, special pro day, he jumps 40 inches, which he's probably going to do. If you haven't seen the clip of him, 540 windmill dunking in high school, you should probably go do that. Um, he was a basketball player at USC. Uh, he was a, a dual sport athlete. Um, then you know, maybe they, they trade up to 15 uh, to try and snag someone like that. I think there are a lot of similarities between him and early Devontae Adams, not that he's going to become you know, late career Devontae Adams. Uh, there are plenty of guys in this draft in the top 50 that Green Bay could be targeting. They could be grabbing two guys. That could be their plan. There's still so much time left that I think they they feel good about their plan moving forward. And why shouldn't they? They have Aaron Rodgers, the two-time defending league MVP. Yeah, I uh, I don't get a sense. I'm with you. I don't get a sense they're panicking. I think fans are. But I don't think they are. Yeah. I uh, I keep talking uh, to people about they have dra- and it keeps saying wait till after June first because there's a lot of uh, salary ramifications that can happen then as well. So all is not lost until you actually walk through the door at training camp and you don't have anybody else in that room. So I completely am with you on this. What else do the Packers need to do? I mean, you know, do they need to say, you know, another edge rusher? Do they need to find additional depth up front now that they've brought in uh, Jerron Reed? Do they continue to try to go to fortify that area? They took away some of the desperation in those areas by signing uh, Devondre Campbell, by signing Reed, by bringing back Rasul Douglas, by deepening their their secondary. It seems like this could be a really offensive heavy draft. It does feel that way. And and when is the last time we've really seen that? You know, 2020, I guess you could say was, but not in the same way that we're thinking about this draft. A.J. Dillon, Josiah DeGuara, and Jordan Love. We knew Jordan Love was not going to play, even under the, the best of circumstances for him. A.J. Dillon was, at best, the third running back on that team. Josiah DeGuara was, was like, the at best, third tight end on that team. That was depth. That was future. This this draft, I think, is going to have a lot more immediate impact. And you can look at last year. Josh Myers was drafted to immediately become an impact player. Amari Rogers was drafted to become an impact player. That was before, remember, they traded for Randall Cobb. And that's probably a good thing in retrospect because Amari Rogers did not look ready to play. When I look at this roster, I, I think Green Bay is in the excellent position of really only having this one big black hole need, and that's at receiver. I am of the belief that Elton Jenkins is going to play right tackle for this team in 2022 and beyond, and they're going to pay him a right tackle contract, um, which is just another reason why, you know, Devontae Adams not being on the books um, is has ramifications for other players on this roster. 
That leaves John Runyon Jr., who I think turned into a pretty solid left guard. And then you have a question about right guard. What is what is Royce Newman as we move forward here? I think they could be they could be drafting an interior offensive lineman. But I don't. I, I think I see a lot of mock drafts that have the Packers taking a tackle. I think Elton Jenkins is their right tackle of the future. So that leaves backups mostly, right? I mean, we're talking about nickel safety. They need a third safety to play with Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos if they want to play all these light boxes. I think there are a lot of really great guys, Juwan Brisker, um, and Daxton Hill. There, there are some players that the, maybe maybe a dark horse first-round pick even, depending on what they can do at receiver. Um, I, I think that makes a lot of sense for them. And then edge is a place that I have heard that they want to fortify. They want to get a third edge rusher. And to the point that players on the team are like, yeah, I think we're going to take an edge rusher early. Um, I, I think someone like George Karloftis, who, who uh, I'm sure a lot of your audience watched play at Purdue, um, he, he is uh, athletically uh, a, a better athlete than I think some people give him credit for, had an outstanding three-cone at his pro day, which is something the Packers value. So that could be a guy to watch, especially if he starts to fall. Maybe they move up. I think if, I think in a perfect world, the Packers would like to trade for a veteran receiver, one of these these high-end players, and then move up for an edge rusher and feel like the, the, the team is fortified. I think that would be their perfect, their perfect world scenario. They don't have that many other things to worry about. Then it's depth. Then it's best player available. Where can you find value? And, and my thing has always been, it's not just best player available. It's the player who can impact your team the most in the first four years on the team on the rookie contract. How can they impact your roster the most? And you find those guys. And that includes guys who might leave in free agency. What is, what is the future of Adrian Amos? I think his safety is, is almost a, a definite top, top hundred pick because the future of Darnell Savage, what, what is that? I think they're going to, they're going to pick up the option. They're going to, they're going to sign a, a contract and he's going to be their safety for a long time. But Adrian Amos, I don't know. So, they need to figure that part of it out, and and maybe that's something that they look at here. Um, that's that's a sneaky pick that I don't that I don't see a lot of people talking about. Uh, talking with Peter Bukowski, by the way, the Locked On Packers podcast. Find him at Peter underscore Bukowski. So let me ask you this regarding Jair, because we keep waiting for that contract to get done. Mm-hmm. Maybe a restructure of Dean Lowry as well to free up some additional space. When do you think those happen? When the Packers need the money. I, I think that's the deadline that, that ultimately spurs the action because we, we got the reports at the Combine that they're negotiating a deal. The Packers would like to get Jair Alexander extended, and it would save them money this year to do it. He's $13 million on their books. On that fifth-year option, they can probably cut that number in half. Right now, um, you know, they have in that $15, 16000000 million range in terms of cap. They're going to need about half that to sign their rookie class, and then you're left with a nice number for, for cushion, which is what you need going into the season. If they want to sign someone, if they want to make a move, if they want to, um, you know, make a trade, for example, uh, they're going to need to clear some more space, which, as you said, you could get a, a Dean Lowry restructure. There are some other players that, that could take some, some restructures here as well. Uh, then then you, could, you could make a move like that, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I would, I would guess. Um, that this gets done before the season because I think that they, they want to use that space. They want to create a little bit of extra cushion to make a move and add to this roster if they need to. And so the, the Jair Alexander contract um, would allow them to do that. Plus, you get to lock up a player who is foundational to what you want to be moving forward. 
So uh, I, I I still think the Packers have the ability to pick up a wide receiver, but I I go back to what let me go back to what Matt Lafleur said. Matt Lafleur talked about a guy that can take the lid off, a guy that can stretch the field, a guy that knows yep. it. He gave all the indications that they are not just looking for uh, young rookies; they are looking for a veteran, didn't he? Well, I think what he what he implied is that they are going to exhaust all options and I, I think that he, he acknowledged that there has been a learning curve with receivers that they had a plan for that and and I think that is part of what you're referring to that that maybe okay well if if it takes a little while for these rookies to get going then maybe you have to get a veteran I think also it it might affect the way that they've used someone like Chris Olave who is another Packers favorite uh, he is he is I think Packers draft crush number one Right now, um, based on my anecdotal research, based on what I hear from Packers fans, and he is, I think, the most pro-ready receiver in this, regardless of the quality of the prospect. I don't think he's the number one receiver in this draft, but I think he is the most pro-ready, and I think he could come in right away and give the Packers a lot of what Aaron Rodgers wants in terms of intelligence, in terms of feel, in terms of smooth route running, in terms of being in the right places at the right time, experience, and yet he's still only 22 years old. Plus, he has that four three nine easy speed. He will just run by you. Uh, he he fits a lot of those boxes, and and maybe it's as simple as they feel like they they know about where he's going to go. They're willing to move up to get him, and he's the guy that they they can target. I think if you're looking at him optimistically, he could have that sort of um, that Adam Thielen type career where he's he's really a one B. If you had a better one A, but could be the guy in your offense. Uh, that that could carry it, can play in the slot, can play outside, has the speed to get downfield, is a really good route runner, and and has terrific hands at the at the catch point, good body control. I think that there's a lot of similarities there. Um, you know, a Chad Johnson minus the I'm going to change my name to Chad Ochocinco stuff. I think that's another mm-hmm. high end comp for Chris Olave. And if that's the guy you're getting, that's great. But at the same time, I think what what you can't count on is rookies being good. Um, I think receivers come in more ready than ever to produce for your team. But at the same time, um, most rookies are bad. And that's even even guys who turn out to be good. Just look at Packers receivers of, of recent past who turn out to be a really good player. Jordan Elson was bad for really for like three years. Um, Devontae Adams, it took three years. Uh, it, it took Randall Cobb, um, really 2014 was the season. He was drafted in 2011. It has taken Packers receivers with Aaron Rodgers a while to figure this out. So, whether you go get a Will Fuller or a Julio Jones. I think the reason that the Packers haven't done that, though, Bill, is because they think there are better options or at least higher-end options that they need to explore first. They think these guys are going to be on the market. And my guess is they've touched base with their agents and said, hey, we're working on some stuff. We really we really would like to have your guy, but we're, we're trying to work on some things. Let's get back to you. Let's stay in touch. If you want to come compete for a Super Bowl, we're the place. Come talk to us in a month and let's figure this out. I, I think they're in a very good position um, to be attractive to top talent because they can promise, hey, you're going to be the number one right away. You're going to come in and, and be the number one. And, and that's not true for someone like Wolf Fuller or Julio Jones. Most places they would otherwise sign. I think, I think that puts Green Bay in very good position to add a veteran and a rookie. And then with Big Bob Tunyon, with Randall Cobb, with Alan Lazard, and the run game that they have, they they can have they can field a potent offense even if it's not what it was with Devontae Adams in 2020 or 2021. 
Good stuff as always, my friend. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll chat again soon. Okay, Peter? Thanks, Bill. Enjoy the rest of your vacation, man. There you go. That is our good buddy, uh, Peter Bukowski. Locked on Packers podcast. You can find his stuff there, at Peter underscore Bukowski, and hear his stuff. Uh, Always good to talk with him, and a lot of good perspective there when it comes to what the Packers can and can't do, what they are and aren't going to do. And uh, are we panicked? No. No. I just I still feel that they're going to get a veteran. I still feel that they are uh, going to use some of that draft capital to pick up that veteran, and they're going to get Jair done. They're going to clear some space. They're going to add maybe one or two even rookies in that draft class as well, and then they're going to fortify the rest of the team in that particular manner. But I'm I'm not panicked. I just just I'm not. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Hit us up more of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. tailgating right you're not going to do a lot of tailgating on a day like today but if you are going to do some tailgating uh, say the brewers game in a couple of weeks then you can stop off a quick trip they have those uh, bacon wrapped pork fillets really good 99 cents limit five stop in and grab them but uh, they've got all kinds of good food good tailgating food they you can pick up your brats your hot dogs your buns all your condiments Everything for your tailgate, including your favorite beverages, right there at Quick Trip. Stop in and tell them we said hi. Quick Trip, good, good people, longtime sponsor of the program, and uh, and just one of the best things about Wisconsin, to be perfectly honest with you. Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, all throughout those areas, just one of the best things that have ever uh, come from this state. Fantastic stuff. Um, I want to get into the uh, discussion um, regarding the, uh, the the Packers. And um, Scott says the salary cap is fake. I always love that one. The, the salary cap is manipulable. You, you, can, you can manipulate it, but eventually it all comes due. You can do a lot of things today, but put it this way. Guaranteed money is guaranteed money. You're going to pay it. Whether it's today, tomorrow, in a month, a year, two years, five years, whatever, you're going to pay it. That's why there is a lot of um, owners that are really pissed off at what the Cleveland Browns did because they jacked up the market on quarterback play. They, They fell in their heads. And now you take a guy like Lamar Jackson. By the way, Lamar Jackson's his own agent, him and his mom. Did you know that, Ben? That I him and his mom are his agent? I remember the story when yeah, they I don't know do if all he his... fired the guy or just he said, I'm going to represent myself. He's representing himself. He said, it's much harder to look across the table and, and put me down if you're looking directly at me. So he's his own agent. And he just told the Baltimore Ravens that, no, no, no I'm not in a hurry. Don't worry about it. You know, and the Ravens want to get it done. And, you know, the the thought is that by him waiting, 
And then the signing of uh, Deshaun Watson to that stupid deal. Basically, he just made a ton of money and he didn't do anything because the way the market has now changed, which is why all eyes are upon Lamar Jackson for his next deal. Because if he then gets $230 million guaranteed, that's the new norm of which you know as well as I do at some point teams aren't going to be able to afford to do this anymore and there's going to be a lockout or a strike and and they're going to try to put the blank back in the horse because Cleveland screwed it up. Because other quarter, I mean, if I'm Rodgers, I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Cleveland did it, but they're Cleveland. They suck. Cleveland screwed themselves. And I think what every owner is now looking at is hoping the Cleveland Browns go down in flames with that contract. Just go down in flames. Because now it's guaranteed. Unless Deshaun Watson is proven to be as guilty as guilty gets, that it comes out in all of this testimony in the legal system, in the in the lawsuit phase, that he did all of this. And I know Roger Goodell spoke to this and said, hey, you know, we're monitoring this. We have yet to make a decision. We're following the investigation. We're waiting to find out the details as it becomes available of the the, the civil suits. Then they're going to make a decision. They're going to make a decision sooner rather than later, you would assume, before the season gets going. But that's what everybody's waiting for, unless it comes out that it's so unbelievably egregious that they just suspend him for two years and he doesn't get paid. Because if you get suspended, you don't get paid. That... He's going to come back in maybe six weeks, eight weeks, miss half a season, and then come back and make a ton of money. And then it's all going to be guaranteed from here on out. So the NFL is looking at this saying, this, there's no way. There's no way. This is screwed it up. But right now there's a feeling out process in the NFL for teams when it comes to salary cap. Yes, I agree with you that the salary cap can be a joke. But the bottom line is, Whatever you guarantee, you have to pay. Today, tomorrow, a year, five years, you got to pay it. And you got to pay it before that player's career comes to an end or as that player's career comes to an end. So I get what you're saying about, you know, it's stupid, don't talk about it, but it is real. Because are you pushing your chips to the middle of the table today? Because remember what happened years ago to San Francisco after they ended up kind of tearing it apart. Once DeBartolo was gone, Steve Young was gone, a lot of those quality players started to move on, Jerry Rice moved on. They were in salary cap jail for years with dead cap money. For years. And they couldn't sign players. They couldn't get free agents. They could. You were just hoping that whoever they drafted was good and they hit on every draft guy and the team was built that way because that's the only way you're going to make a go of it. So that's what the Packers are balancing right now. Yeah, we can do anything we want. That, they know that. They know that. They can do anything they want. It's, it is a joke. But eventually it comes due. And what you don't want is you don't want to put all your chips to the middle of the table in the next two or three years, not win the championship. Rodgers goes away. Your quarterback is gone unless you draft somebody new or Jordan Love turns out to be the real deal, which he's not. And then you're going to look at it and say, in 2027, 2028, 2025, 2026, 
you're going to be looking at this thing going, who are these guys? Who are these guys? And suddenly you're Detroit and you don't have anything to show for. So yeah, it's a joke. You can make fun of it, but eventually you got to pay it without a doubt. I mean, you got, you got to pay it. You're just, all you're doing, the term is the, the, you know, the, the, the saying is you're just kicking a can down the road until eventually you got to pick the can up. You got to pick the can up and put it in the trash. Otherwise you're just kicking it down the road. Yes, I get that. Uh, 877-867-1670. Justin says, did people think that they were meaningless baseball games when the Brewers were in the tank? Or were they happy to be able to watch the team play? It's different now that they think the season is fine the way it is. I love my Brewers and want to see all the games, if anything, start the season uh, a couple of weeks earlier. That's just it, though. If you're going to start the season a couple of weeks earlier, that's fine. You can do that. There's been some talk of this where you start at at stadiums that have a dome or stadiums in the south. That's what you do. You start in those particular places. And then you, for the first two weeks of the season, and then you work your way back into the northern climate once things have stabilized, we'll say. You know, work your way back into the northern climate, um, say, into the middle of April, end of April, into May. Okay, you can see that. But uh, otherwise, no, you you know, you don't want to extend the season even more and start it even earlier. What would make you think that last week, now again, we're talking about, you know, in, in the Milwaukee area, for, as a Brewers fan, they got a dome. But do you think that they want to, you're going to make as an owner any money at all if you're in the Twin Cities starting it two weeks ago? Come on. They were getting snow constantly. Snow and rain constantly. What about Cleveland? What about Colorado? I mean, even San Francisco. Seattle, now Seattle's got a dome. But even San Francisco. They've had inclement weather passing through the northern uh, Northern California climate. It's rain, but it, it's, it's, it's this seasonal stuff. Boston, New York. Mets, Yankees, Red Sox, all of it. Philadelphia, you know, uh, Cincinnati, they've had the same kind of the same. Now, they've had some more warmer weather, but they've also been very up and down like we have. Pittsburgh, that's a lot of teams right there that you're going to just kind of throw by the wayside and say, well, we won't even get into those areas until later. Not until later. I would start the season the second week of April and go to the second week of September and play a total maybe of five doubleheaders in the season. Owners don't want that because they don't want to lose that revenue. But if you start the season earlier or you look outside on a day like today, if you're in Minneapolis, how many people are showing up to a baseball game? 5,000? Maybe? You're spending more money on opening the stadium and playing the game than you are bringing in. You're probably losing money to begin with. 877-867-1670, hit us up. 877-867-1670. After 240 votes, the poll question, do you feel that the baseball season is too long? 67.8% of you now say yes, it's too long. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
to the program. Glad to have you. If you're heading down to uh, downtown, maybe you're going to go to a Bucks game. Maybe you're heading over to check out an Admirals game. Maybe you just want to watch the game, whether it's a Brewers game or whatever, ahead of time. Check out our friends at MKE Brewing. MKE Brewing right there on 9th Street, downtown Milwaukee. And uh, as you can see, if you're watching on the Bud Light live stream, many different types of craft brews. They brew seasonal stuff, and you can always go upstairs, check out the upstairs patio. Uh, the uh, the rooftop patio, as a matter of fact, it overlooks the Pfizer Forum. You can see that. And uh, just enjoy, uh, well, everything they have to offer. you got a good craft brewery right here in our own backyard. So check out our friends at uh, MKE Brewing, 9th Street, downtown Milwaukee. Head down there and check it out. Good, good stuff. Uh, 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, hit us up. Uh, Mark says, I like the double header idea. I do, too. I do, too. I like the fact that, uh, and, and again, maybe, now, I know this sounds stupid, okay? I hate to I hate to do this, but maybe baseball needs to take a look at its past to reinvent itself. Maybe baseball needs to take a look at the past to reinvent itself. I, I'm not saying you go back to the, the old, you know, uh, business person special, doubleheader, that type of thing. I'm not saying you have to do that, but... Baseball has lost its romance. Baseball was the national pastime because of the romance of what it was. And, yes, we are all caught up in replay, and, yes, we are all caught up in time and pitch counts and clocks and all that kind of stuff. But when analytics took over and money took over and, you know, you're not going to get rid of the money. So you got to figure out how to make the game itself romantic. It's got to be the place to be. We don't have a problem with it in Wisconsin. We don't. You know why? Because the Brewers are winners. If this was County Stadium on a day like this, 3,000 people, 4,000 people, that's it. Nobody's going to see the see the game, especially if the team stunk. I know. I You know, the for last couple of years at County Stadium, I was here. I was in town. You know, I was – when the big thing going was Jeremy Burnett's, Right? You know, poor, poor, poor Mark Loretta playing on some of those bad teams, you know? So I get it. If your team's in it, you love baseball. If they're not, you're not a big baseball fan. You're not looking forward to it. You got to make the game an event. You got to make, you got to bring the romanticism back. There's a, when I say college football, the first thing you think of is Saturdays, bands, schools, cheering, tailgating, all of that. When I say Packer football, the first thing you probably think of is Lambo, tailgating, cold weather, you know, fires and flags and, and pro shops. And you think there's that's an event. You go to it. Baseball? Unless you're thinking of, like, in today's day and age, for American Family Field, you're thinking of tailgating. You know, maybe getting in early to go to one of the pro shops inside American Family Field. You know, walking in and seeing a game, maybe the smell. Uh, I think of the first thing I think of when I think of baseball is the smell of the ballpark, the heavenly roasted nuts, the smell of the beer, the smell of the brats. There's a certain smell to the ballpark that I like. You can you can smell the grass on a day that they actually cut it. You can smell it. It's a very powerful thing. Smelling is a very powerful thing. The sense of smell. I think of all of that. I think of. Uh, an evening out, usually with some friends, 
Maybe if there's like a business suite, then there's business deals going down. It's not the event. You know? I just think if about you heartbreak. Were... <laughs> See, that's just it. I don't even think about outcome. I don't think about outcome. I think I think about the event. Very rarely do you think about the specifics of just the game. Going to anything is an event. If you think Bucks basketball, the first thing you think about is getting in there and just being a part of the electricity. And then Giannis and then a dunk and then a win. You think about kind of like, like that, the championship, if you have that remembrance. 67, 70,000 people outside in the Deer District. You, you kind of there, There's a romance to that because it's not that far removed from our, from our memories. Because we're a very, give it to me now, out the fast food window society. That's what we've grown into. The, you you got to recreate the event. you got to recreate the, the romance of going to the event for it to come back. You put out there some of these crazy, stupid, antiseptic places like, uh, what are they called, uh, Tampa Bay Stadium now? It used to be Tropicana Field. Is it still Tropicana? It's not anymore. I think it's like a bank or something. But I, that place is I think terrible. It's Tropicana. Is it Tropicana? There is a romance to going to Wrigley. I don't like Wrigley, but there, people love it. There's a romance to it. Fenway, even the new Yankee Stadium. Dodger fans are Dodger fans. You know, th there's there's a romance to baseball that that not everybody has recaptured. We like it because it revolves around hope and winners, and but there's an event to it. I go to Bre I go to Brewers games for three reasons. Okay, three reasons. One is I'll go there as, as a media person and I'll cover it, sit in the press box. I go there to kind of gather information and to kind of just enjoy the game. Two, as a fan, I'll either get tickets with friends or Kristen and I will go, sit in the stands, just kind of enjoy the game, talk, you know, that type of thing. Or three, there's a business aspect to it. You're going with clients, you're going to a suite, you, somebody's got an invite for you to be a part of a, of a party or a gathering. That, those are the three things I go for. That's it. But am I going just because I want to just sit there and be a part of it? I do because I'm a baseball fan. But what you're trying to bring in is the casual fan. So if you're trying to bring the romance of the game back, how do you describe it now? How do you describe baseball now? Because so much of the luster of the game between Rob Manfred and the 60-game season and the lockout and the money and all the other crap that's been piled onto baseball and pitch clocks and, and you know, now they're talking about taking umpires out of the game and electronics and it's like, just stop. Just go back to what the game was. The game was a great game. And with all the crap, we've ruined it. And it's not necessarily baseball's fault part of it is our fault media we bitch and moan about every little thing and then you get fired up about it and then we pile on that and then before you know it we've piled so much crap on you can't just enjoy the game anymore you know it's kind of like parents with their kids when they want their kid to play a game and enjoy it why because you want the kids to just have fun that's the way it starts out but then before you know it, parents are screaming and yelling at umpires, screaming and yelling at coaches. Their kid either isn't playing or isn't playing enough. And if he is playing, he's not batting fourth or batting first or pitching. He's just playing in the field. And then you start telling your kid about how bad it sucks, about how, how this kid doesn't hit as well as you do and you should be hitting here. And then your kid starts to believe it. And before you know it, the reason you went was the enjoyment of the game. And it's, it's gone. 
You've zapped it from yourself. You've zapped it from the kid. The kid hates the game. It's it's not a game. It's it's just political compromise. Nobody wants that. So I think baseball has taken away, we've taken away the romance of the game. The days of wearing your fedora and your suits are well, well, well in the rear of your mirror. So how do you recapture what once was? You know? How do you go back to that? And part of the problem is it's money. It's money. You can do a lot of promotions. And bobblehead nights are great. You know, Ben says, dollar, bring back more dollar hot dog nights. Dollar hot dog nights are great. You know? I get it. Do more things for the fans to make the fans say, this is great. Some of the promotions are hokey. Everybody loves a bobblehead night. Bobbleheads are great. But... You know, the old dollar beer night will never happen again because uh, drunk idiots ruin that for everybody. So you can't do dollar beers anymore. Dollar hot dog night. I, I don't know what else. I don't know what other promotions to do to get people to buy tickets to enjoy the romance of the game. And then just a good game. But I, I will agree with 90% of you that are chiming in saying uh, grip it and rip it and sabermetrics ruin the game. I That I agree. The strikeouts, strikeouts are fascist both in pitching them and swinging at them. You love it when your pitcher does it. An 18-strikeout game, amazing. But ultimately, it was just a boring-ass game. Because if it happens to you, boring. Mark says, instant replay. I do love it, but... Right? Get it right! But part of arguing about the game was the romance of the game. I think it should be fair and foul. Out or safe. That's it. Nothing more. We shouldn't be looking at the transfer of the baseball on the the, te- the phantom tag at second. We know what it is. Come on. Whether or not that split millisecond he had the baseball in his hand or he didn't as he was exchanging it from his glove to his throwing hand. Was it an out? Was it not an out? Whatever the call is in the field, it is what it is. Part of it, we, it's either out or safe at a base and fair or foul. That's it. Nothing more. All of this coming to the top of the stairs stuff and slowing it down, it, it's, 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 just, it's just done. Um, Aaron says, I think the Brewers do a great job of bringing in fans with their uh, five-county Fridays. Uh, some casuals may not want to spend a lot to attend the games, and uh, these discounted games allow them to attend. For almost nothing. Aaron, I, I agree with you. And I think it also is a nice way to give back to the counties that paid the taxes. Th- that I agree with 100%. 100%. There's a lot of things you can do to make the game affordable. But we live in a privileged area. Why? Two reasons. One is because the Brewers are winners right now. And two is because of that dome. Thank God there's a roof on that place. It guarantees fans from all over are going to come to Milwaukee. What I'm talking about is the overall game itself, why the ratings are down, why people say baseball is on a failing end of a spectrum. Why? That's what I worry about. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. 
covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Manufacturing company right here in our own backyard called Pindell. P-I-N-D-E-L. Pindell. Go to Pindell.com. And if you're looking to do work with a terrific company in all different types of manufacturing, then get a hold of them. Uh, they have many different facets. And if you're looking to work for a great company, same thing. Get a hold of them. They have all kinds of different employment opportunities in many different facets, including training and including, you know, giving you a lot of knowledge. So, if, you know, later down the road, you want to Go off on your own and be great. They promote that because they want their workers to be happy and to have futures and excel and and uh, and all of that. So get a hold of our friends at Pindell, P-I-N-D-E-L.com. That is Pindell.com, Pindell.com. If you're watching on the Bud Light live stream, you went from watching a completely snow-covered outside to now the, uh, the pavement and such. It switched back over to rain. It's starting to clear. And like I said, we got a lot of rain. And now it's going by the wayside because everything that was on the lights and built up on the uh, tree branches, it's starting to fall and fade and, and melt away. I'm, I'm all for the, hey, we woke up this morning and it looked good. It was nice. It was a winter wonderland. And, you know, now 12 hours later, it's going to be back to, you know, on our way to spring. So I'm all for it. I'm just glad today was not opening day of baseball season. That's what I'm glad. 877 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Sixteen seventy, uh, a lot to get to in the sense of uh, you know our uh, our discussion with baseball and with football and the Green Bay Packers. I do like Steve gave me the uh, James Earl Jones speech out of Field of Dreams. Oh yeah, I like that. It's baseball, Ray. Probably baseball. a top four baseball movie, you'd say. Yep. Yep. Uh, as a matter of fact, I sat downstairs in the last night I was on the phone. I had a lot going on yesterday and I was on the phone. I went downstairs into the bar and I was sitting down and I was going to have I was going to have a smoke a cigar. Do you ever have one of those days where your day gets thrown off by drinking? Yes. Uh, most Wednesdays in this office. Thanks to our oh, really? show. Friends. OK, there you go. Uh, yesterday was one of those days. Kristen had a meeting and she called me and said, hey, uh, myself and um, our lender were going out for lunch. Do you want to meet us? I said, sure. So there's a Mexican place right up the street called Casa Tequila. I love that place. And they serve these giant fishbowl margaritas. And I, it, this was like three o'clock. So I went up there and uh, ate and waited for them a little while. So I had one of the big giant margaritas. And after that, I had a couple of Bud Lights. And I'm like, uh, yeah, thank God I only live like literally two minutes and 30 seconds away. And I came home and I thought, I'm going to go downstairs and have a cigar, and I sat down on the chair. We got the new chairs downstairs. Sat down on the chair, flipped on the TV. Bull Durham was on. And I ended up going, oh. And I didn't move for the next three hours, two and a half hours. I just sat there and watched Bull Durham, watched a baseball movie. <laughs> Again, a Kevin Costner movie, but a movie's probably movie. top six. Yeah, I love Bull Durham. It's fantastic. So watched that last night, and uh, then uh, a buddy of mine called me and said, hey, uh, he was down in Ohio, and he said, you guys getting snow up there? And I went upstairs, and sure enough, it was just driving rain. 
And I said, no, we got rain, but you could clearly see the snow was coming. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to hunker down and go to bed. And I did. So I was in bed by about 9, 9.30 last night. Not doing anything, just watching some TV and hanging out. But uh, but I agree with you. Uh, Field of Dreams, fantastic baseball movie. I'm going to get you with fantastic. that this summer. With what? Field gonna, of Dreams? No, we're going to get into ranking the movies again. I know it's your least favorite I mean, thing to do in the world. I know. I but again, the the, the my best sports movies, and it, it there's not a rating system. It's just my best sports movies. Uh, I love Field of Dreams. I love Bull Durham. Uh, if you want to call it a golf movie, Caddyshack, Hoosiers is one of my all time favorite. You know, boxing is Rocky, the original. You know, and beyond that, I I don't have a ton of you know other sports movies that I really, really love. So every now and then when Blue Chips comes on from years ago, Nick Nolte and Shaq and everybody, I've watched that. It's good, but it's a little bit hokey. There's a lot of cameos in that one. But, man, beyond that. We're going to talk to uh, Seth Part now coming up next. Stay tuned. We're going to talk ranking some of these uh, some of these NBA teams with some analytics and basketball and all that kind of good stuff. Got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. The Bill Michael Show podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.